Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We will never have a dearth of annoying people. Coming up on this special edition of Word Matters, obscure words for annoying people. I'm Emily Brewster, and Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. On each episode, Merriam-Webster editors explore some aspect of the English language from the dictionary's vantage point. As people who write dictionaries, we want very much to be of use. We want our work to help you better understand and describe the world around you. That is why, in this next segment, editor Amon Shea will present a collection of terms, the utility of which cannot be overstated, for they are obscure words for annoying people. We are talking about obscure words in the English language, a subject which for many people holds an endless degree of fascination. Since we are lexicographers, it's sometimes nice if we can provide obscure words which may be of use and applicability in people's everyday life. And so today, for our installment of Obscure Words, I thought we would talk a little bit about obscure words for annoying people. Because there are always plenty of those. We will never have a dearth of annoying people. One of the first ones that comes to mind is for words dealing with kind of flatterers or suck-ups. And we have a large, large number of words for this. We have sycophant, lickspittle, pickthank, greasehorn, preneur. One of my favorites is williwa, which is not spelled the way it sounds. It's W-H-I-L-L-Y-W-H-A, which is a lovely Scottish word, which describes not just a flatterer, but a deceitful flatterer. But I think of all the flatterer words, my favorite is toad eater. What I like about toad eater is that the original meaning of the word was quite literal. And in the 17th century, apparently, it was the term for an assistant to a medical charlatan. And the toad eater would eat or pretend to eat a poisoned toad and fall down and swoon or something. And then their cohort would cure them of this ailment. Now, Ammon, I thought you were suggesting that these are words that have applicability in <laughs> modern well, life. That's true. And then toad eater, that was in the early Just who do you know? <laughs> Tell me that you've never eaten a toad in your life. Well, then toad eater by the early 19th century kind of got shortened to toady. And toady and toad eater now have taken on, rather than this obscure medical meaning, now just means somebody who flatters unnecessarily. Ah. Yeah. This is a word which everybody will be familiar with, which is ultra-crepidarian. And an ultra-crepidarian is somebody who offers advice outside of their area of expertise. That's interesting. Crepidary. What's the etymology there? Uh, etymology, it's one of those rare ones where it actually has an interesting etymology. Most times when you hear somebody says that this word has a great etymology, they're either lying or making it up or just misinformed. But this one, it comes from the Latin phrase ultra-crepidam, Ultracrepidam, meaning beyond the soul. And ostensibly, this word came from a story from long, long ago in which there was a famous Greek painter, Apelles, 
who one day heard a shoemaker criticizing the way he had rendered a foot in his painting. And Achilles said something very mean, cutting, and righteous to them about don't look beyond your shoe or something like that. And this story was twisted and told again and again, and that ended up giving birth to ultra-crepidarian. Interesting. And now, if that were to happen, we would end up with a phrase like stay in your lane. Yes, exactly. So 500 years from now, there's going to be some wonderful-looking words, stay in laneism, or something like that, and people will be talking about how this came about. A lot of our kind of lovely insults do come from ancient times. There's Zoilus, which is not just a critic, but it's a bitter and usually enviously carping critic. So it's a really mean term for a critic. And this came from the Greek rhetorician and critic who was notable in the fourth century, Zoilus, for the severity of his criticisms of Homer's poetry. So we have that. Haters going to hate. Yeah. Haters are always going to hate. And those haters, a lot of times, or even if they're not haters, these ancient haters or ancient figures give rise to terms in modern times. Jehu was a king in ancient Israel who was known for his daring chariot driving. But in modern use, and when I say modern, I mean 19th century, (laughs) more or less, his name started to be used as a word for a reckless driver. And we have a similar word came up in the early 20th century, which never really made it into any dictionaries, which was a J-driver, which was actually the predecessor of the word jaywalker. And a J-driver was a word for a driver who drove on the wrong side of the road. That did not come from an ancient figure, though. Since we're there, tell the story of jaywalker. Well, as far as I can tell, both these words, J-driver and jaywalker, came up in Kansas City. And our earliest evidence for J-driver is about 1905, and jaywalker came up the following year. And so J driver was first, it was somebody who drove on the wrong side of the road or just ignored other safety features of driving. Once J? J is just an unthinking person. So it was kind of a ninny, so to speak. And so J driver then gave rise to J Walker. And I'm not sure why J driver never really stuck around, but J Walker has really stuck with us. And now. Hasn't J driver fallen by the wayside and J walker really caught on in the language in part because the cars have won? Yeah, I think that is pretty reasonable. <laughs> we're not going to blame the cars. We're going to blame the walkers. Right. I think that makes sense. Well. If we're looking at other kind of obscure words for people we would rather not be around today, there's a, a very peculiar one, which for some reason hasn't caught the public's attention, which is funker. And it's spelled just like one who funks, and it's what it is. And there is a a kind of now obsolete sense of funk, which was to subject to offensive smell or smoke or to smoke a pipe. And so a funker, which is no longer in widespread use, I should say, is one who subjects others to tobacco smoke. Mm. And so as we become increasingly dissatisfied with being subjected to tobacco smoke, this is perhaps a word which is applicable in everyday life. Right. But it seems like it kind of missed its time. Funk is now hopelessly polysemous. It's not going to go back to this specific sense. So you lost your shot, Funker. I always wonder when I hear a word like that, when was it most popular? And what does that mean about what was happening in the lives of English speakers at that time? Right. Was everybody smoking pipes? Right. Was, yeah. Because there was a time in history when a lot of people were. Sure. Right. <laughs> the age of the funkers. <laughs> well, another word for uh, somebody who you might not want to sit next to at dinner is caconator. Caconate means laugh loudly or immoderately. And so a caconator is somebody you just wish they wouldn't laugh quite that much. 
And that's a, a kind of specific insult. Maybe people don't really mind loud laughter. Some of us might not really want to listen to that kind of braying cackle all the time. But cackination is the word for kind of immoderate laughter. And I think cackination is a slightly more widely used word than cackinator. Right. Yeah, definitely. In a similar sense to that, many of us know the word cumber or cumbersome, which means burdensome or troublesome. And many of us also know the word cumber, which means to hinder or encumber by being in the way or to trouble or harass. But what most of us aren't familiar with, and I think should be, is cumber world, which is a worthless person or thing, one that cumbers the world. Wow. Which is really, I think... It's harsh. It it is. It covers everything. It's not just saying, I don't like the way you laugh, or you smell bad, or please don't smoke near me, or you're in love with your own opinions, like a philodox. It's saying, you needlessly cumber this world. And there's no coming back from that. Yeah, I'm glad that one isn't really... (laughs) Okay, don't bring that one back. It's too mean. Yeah. We'll have more obscure words from Merriam-Webster editor Amon Shea in future episodes. Let us know what you think about Word Matters. Review us on Apple Podcasts or send us an email at wordmatters at m-w.com. You can also visit us at nepm.org. And for the word of the day and all your general dictionary needs, visit merriam-webster.com. Our theme music is by Tobias Voigt. Artwork by Annie Jacobson. Word Matters is produced by Adam Maid and John Vosey. For Neil Servan, Amon Shea, and Peter Sokolowski, I'm Emily Brewster. Word Matters is a production of Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media.